I can't see with the lights who's yelling at me, but thank you for the encouragement. You're right in line. You're in the spirit. Today we're talking about encouragement. Um, I, I'm excited that today is, is the second in, in the series called One Another's, um, where I get to kind of share on encouragement. Uh, One Another's are a hundred plus, I think, times during the scripture that uh, we're encouraged in how to care for each other, how to treat each other, how to interact with each other as a New Testament group of believers, as a family. It's really some of the key scriptures to say, look at it, we call this thing the family of God. These one another scriptures are going to give you definition in how to, how to pull that off, how to make that happen, how to become a family, how to be a family. So the truth of the matter is, no matter how awesome our families are that we all grow up with, to some degree, they're all dysfunctional, right? I mean, none of them are perfect. And so we could all use a little encouragement. So that's where we're at today. When we uh, printed the bulletins, I think I put down one another encourage or something as a title because I have no creativity. But actually this week, I feel like the Lord gave me an, another title for this because I feel like it's, it's, it's such a powerful, it's simple, but it's so powerful. And so I'm calling this the supernatural power of encouragement because I feel like God has something in encouragement where he actually can change people's lives through it. So here we go. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, verse 12 and 13 to kick it off. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Um, it's interesting, as we're talking about encouragement, we're going to talk a bit about sin, and so I kind of want to set the stage just so we're all in the same playing field. We all probably know what sin is, but just in case, I'm going to use a picture in a moment. And the picture is one that's kind of been on my Facebook page, so if you're connected with me, you've seen it. If not, feel free to friend request, and you can see stupid pictures like this, because that's all I post. Um, and it's a picture of my family. We went to Storyland last Sunday. Any Storyland people here? You like Storyland? Come on, not as much as last time. I love Storyland. I got two little ones, and um, it's just a great park for little kids. And my littlest, Clara is five, and she's finally 42 inches tall. She's technically 43, which means she can ride all the, the rides at Storyland. That's what she says. She's like, praise Jesus. So um, there's one. It's called the Rorosaurus. It's actually like the, it's, it's a real roller coaster, but it's a kid version, and the picture is of that. And it's a great representation of sin simply because it's like enticing. You know, you look at it, and you're like, oh, everybody's doing it. I want to do that. It looks like fun. It's, it's a kid park, so it's only 53 seconds long. You know, come on, it's not going to hurt me to do that. It's not going to really be a big deal. Um, everyone's doing it. It's safe, right? Put the picture up if you haven't seen this yet. It, it looks like they're having a great time, but I want to explain it. I'm leaning over talking to Claire because for the most of the 53 seconds, her tongue was out of her mouth, and I'm like, please do not throw up on me. Please, we are almost done with the ride. And even though Melissa's having fun, Josephine in the front is actually screaming the entire time, is this thing safe? Is this thing safe? Oh, mommy, is this thing safe? <laughs> Thank you. You can take the picture down. How many people know that's kind of what, when, we, when you first get alive to Christ, that's kind of what we realize sin is like. You know, we think that it's fun. We think there's, there's excitement to it. But at the end of the day, we... You're strapped into this thing, and unless Jesus comes and gets you, you're in trouble. It might not be over in 53 seconds, right? It's a funny story, but the truth of the matter is sin actually has eternal consequences, right? That's the entire reason that Jesus came. 
So verse 13, this is, why I want, this is why I call it the supernatural power of encouragement because of verse 13. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Think about that. Encouragement actually protects our hearts from being hardened by sin. How powerful is that? Anybody ever, ever felt the twinge or maybe you know somebody else that was hardened by sin? You know, that said other guys, that person you brought to church with you, they, they've been it. But we've experienced it. We've experienced that kind of hardening. We've been deceived by sin. Our hearts have kind of gotten a little hard, not as soft toward God as we want. It's encouragement that actually breaks through. It's encouragement that actually protects people and protects our heart from, from that aspect of sin's deceitfulness. So we're going to talk about three stories. And three stories because of what is, def, uh, what is my definition of encouragement? It's three things. And we're going to have a story for each one. Uh, encouragement is simply this. Oh, look, they put like the little encouragement up there. Um, it's to give support, confidence, or hope. That's just from the uh, uh, dictionary. To give support, confidence, and hope. And when we talk about being a church-like family, I'm not, I'm not giving a message on encouragement because I think New Life Church needs a swift kick and we've got to get encouraging. No, I'm giving a, a message because I believe we're an encouraging people. I don't know about you, but I've been encouraged in this house. I've been encouraged by the people of New Life Church. And I think that even though we're, we are an encouraging people, God can actually touch it and anoint it and, and take it to another level. And so that's what I think he wants to do today. How many would love to be a part of a family that supports us in our time of need? Amen. How many believes the church should strengthen those who are weak with confidence or be a church that points people to the hope that we have in Jesus? That's all encouragement is. So uh, the first one, we're going to talk about support because encouragement is to give support. And a great story that kind of highlights that is in Exodus chapter 17. As you're kind of turning there, um, preparing for that, um, Moses and the people of Israel had just saw a, pretty, saw a pretty cool miracle where they were complaining and whining because they didn't have any water, they were thirsty, which is kind of important. But anyhow, Moses was directed by the Lord to take his staff and strike the rock. And if you remember, water shot out of the rock and, and provided uh, a drink for, whatever, three, four million people. It's a pretty substantial miracle. And now this is what happens right after that. I mean, in the, in the chronology of, 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 um, of Exodus, it's the next thing. The Amalekites then come and they attack the people of Israel at this place called Rephidim, however you say it. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and, and or I'm sorry, and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill with Moses. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they, Aaron and Hur, took a stone and they put it under Moses and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army. It says so, it says so his hands actually stood steady, still sunset. That's pretty key. So the person in the story that's receiving the encouragement is Moses, right? I mean, the battle's all about the people of Israel, but what we're talking about this morning is Moses as a man needing some encouragement. Something supernatural was happening, and I'm not ignoring that, but at the end of the day, here's a man who was overwhelmed, who couldn't do it on his own, and needed some support. And that's what we're talking about. So uh, Aaron and Hur, they stayed with him all day long. They didn't leave him. They brought a rock to put under him. Sometimes we just need to think of the practical things that we can do for people to show them love, 
to encourage them. Um, they each held up a hand until sunset, one on each side. They stayed with him. They didn't leave him. So my first point is, the, the first way we encu- uh, encourage others is by communicating simply that you're not alone. I'm here with you, and we can do this. How many have ever been in a situation where the, the greatest encouragement wasn't necessarily words, it was somebody there with you? Amen? You know who's great at this? Not to discourage fathers, but moms are great at this. Moms have some supernatural anointing that whenever kids get hurt or something goes wrong, everybody wants their mom, nobody wants their dad. And it's simply because the presence of that nurture, the presence of that mom does something that words can't even do. You ever, you ever experienced that? We all have, right? Amen? That's a powerful thing. Aaron and her put their love to work. They were with Moses in his struggle. They saw it through to the end. And their actions told Moses, you're not alone. I'm here with you. We can do this together. You and I both know that sometimes we actually don't have the answer to people's problems. We can't fix a grieving heart. You don't know the words to say. There's no special prayer you can pray when a loved one was just lost. We can't necessarily fix someone's chronic pain. These are things only Jesus can do, right? We can't restore broken relationships, but what we can do is we can be with them. And sometimes, I think particularly in our culture today, it's, it's, it's way easier to just say, I'll pray for you, brother, than it is to say, I'm going to put myself in the awkward position, because it's kind of awkward, you don't know what to do, to get into your life and say, I'm here with you. If, if all we do is just cry together over the loss of your mom or your dad or whatever that was, then let's, let's just cry. I, got, I, don't, I don't have any words of wisdom. I'm not correcting you. Or maybe, maybe someone to say, hey, you know, I know you're in pain. What can I do for you? I want to come over and wash your dishes and be at your house with you. Just, just hang with you. Just be there with you. I want you to know that you're not going through this alone. The church of Jesus has a great, great um, responsibility to make sure that the people within these walls don't have to do life alone. We have, it's also a privilege. It's a great privilege because as we go and we actually are loving the people in front of us, it's never just me and the person in front of me. There's always Jesus with us. He always comes in the midst of those times of care and compassion, and he always shows up. And it doesn't always seem miraculous, but I'll tell you, people's lives get changed in moments of love. Amen? Amen. So here's the issue. And here's the, here, I'm going to prep you. Some of you, hopefully about 40 of you, got one of these little pink coupons. I'm going to ask you to do something for me in just a moment. Um, The issue is this. No generation, I believe, no generation in history has had as much potential to connect with so many people. I mean, we have social media, we have cell phones, we have social service organizations with buses that will connect people, all these different things. And yet we live so disconnected and isolated. One government organization has these two uh, statistics that I feel are stunning. Um, and in their 2019 statistics, it says, loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging to your physical health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Think about that one. And the second is this, that uh, um, 20% of Americans actually self-report as being isolated and or lonely. Being alone. So that's where these come in. Every Sunday in our church, about two, 250 adults are in each service. I don't know, give or take changes, but give or take. 20% of that would be roughly 40 people. So if you got a ticket on your way in, would you stand up for me? Just, I'm not going to ask you to do any song and dance. Simply stand up, because what I want people to do is look around the auditorium and realize, statistically speaking, that it, within our church family, 
this many people come to this service every Sunday and say, I'm alone. I feel isolated. I need someone to love on me. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. I think that's a pretty powerful statement. Anybody else think that way? Come on. I, I think that ought not be so. And I think as a church, New Life is, is poised to do something about that. And I'd say we are. I'd say more so than, um, than you know, when I came here a couple years ago, that the love of this body, the encouragement uh, of this body was a surprise to me, to be honest with you. Because a church this size, I think sometimes you, you expect things to get lost. As the church gets bigger, you, you don't love as well. I think we do well, but I want to say God says we can even do better. I believe we can kick it up a notch. I believe that God wants us to move, move, move that bar even a little bit more down the field to help make people feel part of our family. So when I was a, a collector, I have, for whatever reason, a bad habit of telling you some failure stories, but I was a collector when I was eight, uh, when I, uh, for 18 months is what I meant to say because I just couldn't do it any longer. I was first a teller, but I was really bad with cash, so they gave me a job as a collector. And then I wasn't really good at being harsh with people, and so um, I forgot where they put me after that, something else. But I was in banking for 15 years. Those were two of my first jobs. And when I was a collector, we had, I was in charge of the 14-day list and the 30-day list. The 30-day list basically meaning, um, technically it actually meant that you, your loan had to be passed due 60 days to get to my list. And if you got to my list, it was my job to make, help you pay, to make that happen. And so there was this one lady on the list that would be on the list every month. And she was on that list every month, way before I ever got, on, uh, got that job. And I would call her. She was an older woman. She lived about 15 miles south of us. And I knew that she had no problem with finances. What she wanted was she wanted me to come physically to her house and pick the check up so she could offer me coffee so that we could sit and talk. And it was worth whatever you know, credit score problems or whatever that was creating in her life because she wanted connection. Isn't that amazing? There's, there's three ways we connect with people. We connect with people like with our voice, right? You call mom on the phone, you call dad, friend on the phone. Who doesn't enjoy getting that surprise phone call from someone you haven't talked to in a long time? Just their voice brings comfort, right? When I was uh, in my younger days in, in, in college, um, a couple friends of mine used to always jokingly say, you have a telephone ministry. You call just at the right time. And I'm like, I have no idea. I was just calling to say hi. But you know, you ever have that where you just call someone just at the right time and it's like God orchestrated that and you bring comfort and encouragement to them. The second way would be face. In our, in our technologically advanced age, I guess, you know, we have FaceTime. We have Duo, Google Duo. You can, you can pick up your phone and my kids, even though their grandparents live in New York and Seattle, they can see grandma and grandpa any time of the day they want, Right? I think my four-year-old even knows how to use my phone. They know my code. They can get in and call grandma. But they love to see grandma and grandpa. Their face does something different than the voice. The voice is awesome and good, and it's encouraging. But when you see someone's face, it just brings another level of joy and encouragement to you. Do you, you agree with me? And the third level would be touch. Like, physiologically, we're created for touch. If a baby is born in the first six months or whatever it is, doesn't have the appropriate touch, it can actually stunt their growth physically. And, and so it is with older people. We, we are created to be in community where there's, there's hugs and touches and handshakes. No creepy stuff. My wife said, tell them there's no creepy stuff. Yeah, I said, no creepy. Just the good stuff, you know, just loving on people and, and, and being around people enough that you can kind of give them, the, give them a hug or embrace them, whatever it may be. But we're, we need that. We need to be in people's presence. There's different levels of context. And as we encourage people, it's good to know that. Oh, I've reached out to Sam, you know, for the last two months on telephone. Maybe it's time I take them out to coffee. Maybe we just go have a cup of coffee and actually sit down together because something happens when you, when, you, um, when you 
what, what, what do I want to say? When you leave, sorry, my mind went completely blank. Something happens when you actually go beyond what's called convenient. You know what I'm saying? We all think about our own convenience, but the moment you say, you know what, I'm going to take a step beyond that line that is convenient to do something that's not convenient, but I want to love that person. I think whenever we do that, whenever we say, you know what, they need an encouragement, I really need to go to sleep because I've been up all night, I'm going to go encourage them. And I'm not saying do that all the time because we've got our own health to worry about, but on occasion the Lord's going to ask us to do that. Go beyond what's uh, convenient for you to love somebody else, and I want to say that that's where we're going to see God the most. When we take that step beyond convenience, our own convenience, to love somebody else, invite Jesus into that situation, I think we're going to see in people's, people's level of encouragement skyrocket. That, that whole thing of, you may not know that your little encouraging word, your coffee, going out to coffee with them, or helping them do, maybe helping a single mom or something do, do dishes sometimes, just to help them out, just to go visit them. To you, you're just encouraging them. To them, you may actually be helping to soften their heart to the deceitfulness of sin. You may actually be helping them actually in their journey with God. Some practical ways we can walk that out. I just thought of four. Uh, the first one is um, moving people. Who here loves to move? <laughs> yes, and that's exactly my point, you know? Nobody loves it. It's a, it's a pain, but it's, it's something that we are strategically prepared as a church, as community to do. It used to be we all grew up in neighborhoods, knew all of our neighbors, and families stayed in neighborhoods for generations, right? And Uncle Tony's brother so-and-so had a moving company, and he could help you and whatever. Well, nowadays, everyone's moving all around. We don't have that connection in our neighborhood, but we do have that connection in our church. We do have that way to say, you know what? This is how we can help. We can come together. And maybe you can't lift boxes, but maybe you can bring over um, a slow cooker of meatballs so we can have meatball sandwiches when the movers are done. Maybe you can do something to help, to just care for people, just to encourage. And the second one would be reaching out to a single parent. As a, um, you know, my wife and I, having two of us with our kids, has reminded, I'm stunned at single parents. If you're a single parent in here, I would say uh, you have my utmost respect because there's many times, amen? There's many times uh, my, my, my wife isn't correcting my children. She's correcting me. She's like, you need a little time out. The kids need a little time out from you. I found out early in my marriage that when it's, you know, middle of the night and you have, like, little kids, that is not my time. Jesus, I need help in the middle of the night. You don't get the best me in the middle of the night. But a single parent doesn't have that person possibly to, to bounce those things off of. You know, they, may, they might need just enough breather so they can go care for themselves for a minute. Take a, take a shower, you know? Sometimes it's just like go out to coffee, do something to, to, to have me time to take care of their own self. I think in our culture we have a lot of single parents, and I think that's, that's a key thing that the church, New Life Church, could do is look around and say, are there single parents I could love, bless, encourage, stand with, um, and say, we got this. Hospital visits, if you, if you have somebody, particularly if you're in a life group, and you find someone that goes to the hospital, instead of simply just calling the church, we love, I love to do hospital visits. That's actually one of my favorite things to do. But it means so much more to people if it's not the pastor who I just know from stage, but it's, you know, Alice who's in my group. You know, I've been to her home. I know her children. She comes and visits me at the hospital. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, that's somebody I know caring for me. That means so much more. And lastly, I'd say just being with grieving people. Um, it's an unfortunate fact of life that death is part of life, so we all have to go through it. We're all terminal. So at some point, you know, just saying, I don't, might not have the words to say, but I can sit down and be with them. You know, and a lot of times, people might have a lot of questions in some of that. And, and sometimes the best answer is simply, I don't know. And that's okay. 
Um, but I think these are just practical ways we can care for people. A church like family is a church that loves each other enough to not let anyone go through life alone. You see, a godly family loves when it's hard. We go beyond convenience to love the person that God puts in front of us. So that's supporting each other. That's how we can encourage each other and support each other. The second one is confidence, because encouragement is support, confidence, and hope. So that's Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, there's about 72 people that Jesus is going to commission. Um, and we're not actually going to read that. We're going to read verse, um, we're going to read it, but we we'll read verse 1 and 9. Um, uh, he's going to commission them to go and do some work on his behalf, which is pretty amazing. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Um, I'll mention uh, on that too, especially with hospital visits and stuff like that. Sometimes if you're, um, you don't know what to do, maybe you feel a little bit like, I don't feel prepared for this or equipped or whatever, grab somebody else. There's a reason Jesus sent people out two by two. Um, I think it, it brings encouragement and hope to everybody. So after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town he was about to go. And then verse 90, he goes through verses 2 through 8, and he talks a bit about some of the things, where to stay, what to eat, some of the details. And then in verse 9, uh, he says this. He says, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of my feet I wipe off against you as a warning, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So he basically sends them off with two things. He says, Go heal the sick, and he said, Preach the kingdom is near. The 72 were people that had hung out with Jesus, and they had watched Jesus do all these things. And now Jesus turns to them and says, It's your turn. I want you to go. So the second way we encourage people, the first way is we say, we can do this together. The second way, like Jesus, it says, is we actually communicate, you can do this. Another way, in other words, you're, you're equipped, you're prepared, you're ready, you have what it takes. There are some people in our midst that that message coming from a, a friend or a family member, you have what it takes, you can, you can succeed at what you're going after, is all they need to put, up, put them over the top and get them to the place of being able to really run after what God has for them. Jesus was actually telling these people, these 72, he was saying, don't be afraid, you got this. They had been with him, they'd seen everything, they'd seen the miracles and the healing flow from his hands, and now he turns to them and he says, you heal the sick. You, 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 you preach the kingdom. Which if you think about it, if you put yourself in the, the 72 of those disciples' place, Jesus turns to you. You'd never, up until this point probably, I would assume, seen a man walk through his life loving people to the extent where miracles were happening everywhere, so much so that the Bible actually says there wouldn't be room enough in the entire earth to handle the books of miracles that were attributed to Jesus' earthly ministry. That's how much these people saw. And then he turns around and he says, all right, now you do it. I think we'd feel a little bit overwhelmed. You'd be like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you are the God-man, I'm just the man-man. You know, I don't think I can do this. But in the commissioning, when he said, you can go, what he was saying is, I have faith in you. You, I'll be with you. I'm not leaving. You, you got this. You, you're, you're trained. You're equipped. You're ready. This is your time. And I think some, sometimes we forget that simply those words of telling people you can do this is the encouragement they need to soften that crusty heart of sin or, or, or whatever it may be that's holding them back from, from what God has for them. So they come back in verse 17. The 72 return with joy and it says, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Amen? Um, encouragement can fight off some stuff. Someone tells you you can do this. Someone stands in your face, looks you in the eye, and says, you know what, Joe, you got this. I, I, don't, I, don't, 
I don't think I can do that. No, 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 you, you got this. Oh, yeah, I know I was commissioned to go heal the sick, but I, I'm not sure I'm going to see, see God move. No, 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 he's with you. Jesus himself commissioned you to go. He said heal the sick. He said preach the kingdom. God's with you. Well, people might not respond to me like Jesus did. Encouragement takes those lies of the enemy and breaks them down and that hardness of heart and softens it to where all of a sudden you can say, all right, I got this. And what that is, what you mean by that is faith. Me and Jesus, we got this. We can go do this. I'm going to carry that truth of God's word and we're going to see miracles in Jesus' mighty name. Sometimes in our lives, one of the things we need to recognize is simply slowing down enough to look at those around you. Look at somebody at the gas station. Look at somebody at Walmart who's completely frazzled. Have you ever seen those? Just, you feel like you want to be like, I'll get behind the, the cash register for a while. Take a 10-minute break. Um, and just say, you're doing a good job. I, look him in the eye and say, you know what? I want to let you know you're doing a great job. Thank you today for serving me. Thank you for blessing me with, with helping me get out of this store on time or whatever it may be. People just respond to being noticed. When, it, when I... Um, when I lived in Portland, Oregon, Portland had the highest, at the time, concentration of uh, young homeless people in America. They had 2,500 people at any given night on the streets. And um, one of the biggest things that they said, because I, I worked right downtown, so I passed people all the time, and I'd, I'd chat, and we'd talk, and one of the biggest cries of their heart was simply to be noticed. They, even more than your money, they just want you to see them as a person. And I think it's easy to say that about a homeless person, but I think the same truth is for every one of us, right? In our day-to-day job, we just want people to look at us. We just want people to interact with us and realize, outside of what I do for you, I'm just a person, right? So anyhow, um, for me, my You Got This story happened in 2017, in October. I preached this message from James on healing, which is totally my passion. I love, I love God's miraculous hand at healing because I feel like it reveals his love better than anything. I just think it's fantastic. God heals all our diseases, forgives all our sins. I'm, I was going at this message, and I realized the first service I preached, I was so nervous. I think it was like 15 minutes long, and probably some of you remember that. People couldn't understand what I was saying because I was talking so fast, but everybody in this church encouraged me. Everybody. My wife encouraged me. Pastor Justin sent me a text. He was out of town. You, you've got this. You can do this. You know, and I think it's so important, no matter where we're at, whether it's a new job or a new, new adventure, that we come alongside each other and just recognize that with, you know, that scripture that says, with God, all things are possible, isn't simply so that people can be encouraged that God wants to move miraculously in their life. Sometimes it's, it's, it's an encouragement just to say, you know what? God's with you. He's never going to leave you. You're, you're intimidated about what's going on with your, your, your relationship issue, you know? Maybe, maybe you got some stuff going on with your kids and you can't see a way out. It's okay. You got this. You're going to make it through. God's with you. you know, well, I don't feel equipped. Enough. That's okay. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this today. And I'll tell you, those words of encouragement help people be soft to the actual working of the Lord in their life. This church is filled with encouraging people. And this message isn't a course correction. It's really me saying, I think that the Holy Spirit wants to do something fresh today, bring a new level of encouragement and anointing in our life to actually help people respond better to Jesus. And so here's, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I, I, want, I want to take a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit to actually speak to us about those first two things. The first one is that we can do this. Is there anybody in my life that, um, if I was going to be honest, I need to come alongside and just say, we can do this. 
I could probably do a little bit better job of loving them, of being with them, of giving them some time, going beyond convenience to lift their hands up and say, we can do this. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to actually give us names and faces of people so that we can leave here on Sunday and this week go do something about that. And the second group of people um, is, uh, is, is sometimes just that voice, just that, that reaching out and saying, you know what, you got this. You got this. Is there anybody in my life that just needs me to encourage them as a friend or a parent or a loved one, whatever it may be, and say, I, wanna, I just want to pick the phone up and say, I know you've been struggling. I know you've been stressed out. I simply want to say that you're well able. You may not even be able to see it in yourself, but you have the gifts. You have the talents. God's with you. You're going to make it through that. Would it be okay if we prayed? Because I think what we're going to find is God's going to do something. So why don't we just take a moment, and I'm just going to pray, and I want you to honestly say, Lord, give me the name of one person. Because I have a goal here, and I'll tell you what that goal is when we're done. Father, I thank you that you care for people enough that, uh, that you just put us together in these families, families of our, in our homes, families of church, some, and, they're, and they're all messy to some degree, and I just love it. Today, God, I pray that in, in this place, in this room, you would supernaturally highlight people's names and faces to us so that when we leave here, we don't just leave having a great message, but we leave on assignment with a mission to love somebody into more of an encounter with Jesus, to love somebody and take away the hardness, to let you take away the hardness of their heart or the hardness of sin. Lord, I thank you that there's encouragement, a supernatural level of encouragement today that's available and it comes through us. So right now, I would just say, if the Holy Spirit is giving you the name of a person or the face, something's coming to mind, it's reminding you, I would, I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than this. Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I think I got something. But this is encouraging me because I'll tell you what I'm going after. I'm looking for more than 40 hands, right? Because we had 40 people stand up earlier saying, this is representi representing people that are feeling isolated. And so all over this auditorium today, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. There's hands of people saying, you know what? I have a name. I have a face. And I'll, I'll tell you what. I want to encourage you this week. I didn't do this um, earlier. But I want to encourage you this week. If you go after it and you love on someone, you encourage them, you go beyond convenience and you see God show up in the midst or simply just encourage them because sometimes, sometimes the miracle doesn't look miraculous. How many know that to be true? Miracles happen and they look normal every day to you, but they're miraculous to that person. I had a, actually a testimony about that this, just this morning. Um, feel free to share your story. I'd love to hear about how, how God came in and you're kind of uh, partnered with him in encouraging somebody. So the third place that we offer encouragement, we have support, we have confidence, and we have hope. And hope is my favorite. Not that they're all not good. They're all good. But I love hope. Hope is the soil that faith grows in. Without hope... Somebody doesn't have what it takes to have the nourishment to gain faith in Jesus Christ. I love hope. One, one author put it this way, that hope is the joyful expectancy of something good. How many, how many likes to ex expect good things from our good Father? Amen? So the question is, where does that hope come from? No matter what our trials or struggles, we have the hope, the overarching hope, of the person called Jesus, the hope of salvation. The scripture says this, it says, to put on the helmet of salvation, right? It's the hope of salvation, is a helmet. And I'm like, why did the Lord make it a helmet? Because a helmet protects our head, a helmet protects our thoughts, a helmet protects our, um, um, our mind. You know, the hope of salvation protects me from being tempted to being deceived by sin. 
the hope of what's to come. The Bible says that this life is but a breath. The Lord will create a new earth for us. It says that the Lord has gone to prepare a place for you and me. He's intentional. He will wipe away every tear. He will remove shame. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. He's making everything new. So how do we give someone hope? It's so easy and it's so much fun. And it's simply this. We communicate hope by saying, God's got this. Sometimes the encouragement is, you know, we are going to make it through. Sometimes it's you got this. God's equipped you for it. But many times the encouragement is, you know what? God's got this. I'm here to tell you today, God's got this. However, the hope we have isn't pigeonholed to the future. I mentioned some stuff about heaven in the, in the future. It's not pigeonholed just to there. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whomsoever should believe on him should not die, right, but have everlasting life. And the same scripture, the same Bible says that if God has given us his son, what else is he going to withhold from you? Amen. He's already given you his best. Amen. He's already given you the most valuable thing. Why would he hold out on anything else? So it's not just for heaven. The good news is that God did not spare his son for you or for me. He started with his best and he's not holding out. He's full of love. Stand up with me this morning as we kind of close. Um, anybody can do the first two. You don't, have to, you don't have to be full of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to know Jesus to support somebody. And, and it's wonderful. I'm not putting that down at all. It's wonderful. We need to all support people. We need to come alongside people and say, we can do this. We need to come alongside people and say, you got this. You're equipped for this. But the Holy Spirit-filled believer is uniquely equipped to do the third one, to go minister what's called the good news. The good news is that God's got this, that no matter where our struggle is, no matter what's going on, that at the end of the day, Jesus is the answer to your problem. So here's what we're going to read. This is... Uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal verse. It's out of Hebrews chapter uh, 13. And it's verse 5, but it's in the Amplified Bible. And it says it this way. It says, Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. They fixed it. I love it. It says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down or relax my hold on you. That's what the Lord says to you this morning. And the interesting thing about this verse is in the, in the original language, there were three negatives put before that verb. And that's why the Amplified Bible puts it this way. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. The Lord so wants you to know that he is for you, that he's not against you, that he's not going to let you down, that he wrote it three times. When we're left to the, ourselves, we get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's just a fact of life. We just all do, right? Um, when we, we, we don't cruise control into holiness, right? We, we cruise control into bad places, every one of us. We, believe to, we begin to believe that God's not for us. We begin to look at our, our circumstance, and we can't find a way out. We don't see God in it. 
we begin to believe he's left us alone. Sometimes you ever feel like uh, you're drowning and, 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 and the deceitfulness of sin actually begins to tell you that God's watching you drown. But that's not the case at all. No, a thousand times no, that's not the case. He's not watching you drown. He's standing there with you and he's saying, reach out. I'm here for you. I never leave you. I never forsake you. Forsake's a wonderful word. It simply means to turn your heart away. And God says, I'll never turn my heart away from you. My eye is fully on you. In your time of struggle, in time of your need, I will not in any way fail, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. This morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I think it's just a great time to give people an opportunity to say, you know what, I need that. I feel like I'm drowning. I don't know the love of a good father. I don't know what it likes to live free from shame and guilt. I feel weighted down by sin. Living my own way, I feel lost. I feel undone. So I'm just going to ask you to do something. I just want to give an opportunity. I don't want to miss this part. If that's you today and you say, you know what? You're speaking to me, Pastor Tom. Just do something really courageous for me and simply just lift up your hand. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to do one more thing because you know what? That's the message. That's the good news is that, that, that God doesn't do... Uh, God, God's not Costco. It's not wholesale. He's interested in the individual. If, you want, if, if you're at a place where you're saying, I'm ready today to invite Jesus into my life, would you come on down to the front with me and meet me down here? If you're courageous enough to do that, I'd love to meet you. There's a couple hands, and if not, that's all right. You can always, you can always come up to our ministry team afterward. But I want to tell you, the Lord, the Lord asks us all to take one step beyond convenience to meet him. That's all right. I encourage you when the ministry team comes down, make yourself available. Say, you know what? I had my hand up. Tom, Pastor Tom was talking to me. Today's my day. All right, now secondly, we're not done yet. Everyone's so quiet. Say, we're not done yet. Do you believe God's done yet? Say, God's not done yet. I think there's a second group of people that if you're going to be honest, you say, you know what, Pastor Tom, I, I, I kind of have lost my joyful expectation of something good. You know what I'm talking about? I'm here to tell you God's got this. If he sits on the throne of your life today, you have nothing to fear. Now this one, this one, I wrote this on Thursday. And every time I say this, I feel the Holy Spirit coming on me for this. So I, I truly believe with all my heart, this is for some person. It might describe how you feel. But sometimes he delivers you from the fire. Sometimes he shows up with you in the midst of the fire. Maybe today you feel like I've been crying out for God to deliver me from the fire. And I actually haven't even turned aside enough to realize he's right here in the midst of it with me. I want to tell you this morning, either way, you're going to make it out. 
Amen. Either way, the heart of God is that you're going to make it out. Listen to me. The enemy uses lies to make the problems that we face appear bigger than the solution inside of us. Because the Bible says that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It says that the Holy Spirit, the same one that raised Jesus from the dead, now resides in your mortal body. Amen. So t this morning, we're going to sing this song, and I want to invite two groups of people up. Anybody can come on up, but there, and I, and I mean that. I don't mean to be dismissive about that. If you have a need this morning, the, the, I believe the anointing of God is in this place to break things off. Just this week, I've heard, I've heard testimony of, of um, I don't think it's confirmed yet, but it's a potential testimony of a, 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 a tumor in somebody's body that um, just went away just gone. This happened this week. Happened last Sunday. And it's not out of the ordinary. It's meant to be the normal Christian life. And some of us just need someone to come alongside and say, God's got this. I want to say that's your this is your moment this morning. They're going to sing a song and you may, we may not know the words. Feel free to worship if you want, but I want them to actually minister the word over us as we enter in to what God has for us. There's going to be encouragement up here in the presence of the Lord. There's going to be encouragement right up here. And I believe, now God can touch you anywhere. I'm not limiting the Lord, but there's something about, about stepping out. There's something about saying, I'm going to go beyond what's convenient to me. And lastly, I have this word. I believe that there's someone here today, very specifically, who has never heard a word of affirmation or encouragement from their father. And it's not necessarily that your father's passed away. It's simply... That encouragement and affirmation are not tools that he knew how to use. They weren't tools in his parental toolbox that he was ever trained to use. And the Lord actually wants to do a few things. And I want, I want to come personally pray with you about that. But come on up to the team and we can, we can deal with some of that. But he wants you to forgive your dad today. He wants you to bless your father today. And then he wants you to receive that affirmation and that encouragement you never got today. Would that be all right? All right, why don't you lift your hands with me and we're just gonna pray and invite God in one more time. Father, in this moment, would you have your way all across this auditorium. I pray that every heart would be open wide to all you have. Say, dear Jesus, I'll take all you got for me. <laughs> Say, dear Jesus, I'll take all you've got for me. Anybody think you can, can leave today encouraging somebody else? Anybody think that we can go and transform Southern Maine by bringing the light of Jesus Christ to Biddeford and Saco and all over the place? Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much for celebrating with us here today.